sort of keeping up, you'll know that this, these are songs that uh, the people of Jerusalem, people of Israel, would sing on their way to Jerusalem uh, to celebrate uh, Passover or, or the great feast. So we've, we've covered a lot. I was looking uh, last night. Repentance, worship, service, work, security, hope, obedience, and community. And, and I, I actually, I think we're one of Hearing everyone preach on each of these was, you know, the different points of view and the different lenses made it really, really special. I, I, I mean, I've probably heard almost every one, and every one I, I walked away really, really challenged. I think that's part of, I think the, the, the joy of being part of this community is that we are really dialing into this idea that God speaks to all people and that that God has a word to lay on the heart of different people. And coming back to what, what Brandon was saying a second ago about the way in which Jesus interacted, it's, it's, it's actually a rabbinic way. And the rabbis, and Jesus was a rabbi, their, their purpose was not to, to give you an answer that's neatly packaged and you can walk away. That's, a, that's like a sort of a Greek mentality. So the Greeks were very much about whether you believe the right thing, whether you could sum up things intellectually in a way that made sense of the world. The Hebrew mindset and the Hebrew world, the rabbinic world, is a lot more comfortable with the, the fluidness of life, the flexibility, and that in different situations, different things apply. And, and, that, is, and that is something that, as a leadership, we're, we're really pushing into more and more. This idea that there's not just one voice and one person who holds all knowledge and is able to, you know, produce the answers in the sort of this Greek worldview. But very much this idea that each person who comes up is actually almost posing a question. Is, is, is putting something out there for you to almost walk away uncomfortable. Either at the lack of answer or the, the incompleteness of the answer. And, and, and as, a, as, a, as a community, we really want to dial into this idea that, and that's why life groups become so important is life groups are the place where you get to talk about and answer those 300 questions that we pose. And that's what I love about Christ, is that he, he wants us to situate what he is saying in our context, not just simply go, well, this is the answer, and it's applicable across all contexts and all time. And that's, that's very much a Western worldview. That's very much an American worldview, that we have to now have all these answers need to be and so I say that with intention, because when, when we're going to deal with this morning, the, the title of my sermon, sermon, it's not really a sermon, it's more meander through, yeah, it's hashtag blessed, yeah. hashtag blessed, and it's tongue in cheek, and, 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 and hopefully it will become more evident. So when... In the psalm, Psalm 134, the word bless literally means to kneel or bow down. And, and you'll see in some of the, in, I don't know if you read Psalm 31, so Psalm 34 before you did this. No, no, because you used, some of the psalms were talking about we bow down in worship, right? And that's really what, that is a reflection of the psalm, this whole, down, this whole idea of bowing down in worship. And this word blessing, this word blessed, you see it all over social media. Hashtag blessed, hashtag blessed. I've really struggled with this word. And I hear it all the time. I use it myself. When we pray, I'm so blessed. You know, and there's so much blessing um, in my life. And, um, 
And so I've actually, I, I, as I said, wrestled with this a long time. And as I've gone through, and I'm going to take you through this meander this morning, um, I've had to grapple again with what do, I, what, what, what do I feel about being blessed? What does it actually mean? What does the scriptures actually say? And what you're going to be is you're going to, the, the, this psalm, Psalm 134, was, was the final psalm. It was when they reached the mountaintop. They had reached the highest step. It's, it was the purpose of the journey was to get to Jerusalem, to the feast, and sing the song. I think by the end of today, you're not going to feel like you're on a mountaintop. I, I, I didn't feel that once I had gone through this. I, 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 and, and so that a lot of what we're going to see this morning is, is not fully formed, at least in my mind, maybe it's in your mind. It's not fully formed in my mind. And, it, and there's a lot more work to be done as we start to understand what does it mean to be blessed? What is blessing really? As opposed to what we see, hashtag blessed, online. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to look at the psalm through three lenses. The first lens is the Old Testament lens. In other words, what were the people who were singing Psalm 134? What was their context? How did they understand blessing? The second thing I want to look at is the popular lens. How is it seen today? When we use this hashtag bless, what, what, are, what, what are people actually saying? What do we say when we use that? And then I want to look at the New Testament lens. Because remember, the, 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 the new covenant in Christ, he's inaugurated this kingdom of God. We have to look at the Old Testament through that lens. The Old Testament does not, in a sense, stand on its own. It stands on its own. It stands, sorry, not on its own. It stands as it is interpreted by Jesus. And, 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 and Paul, not in its own right, if you like. And I think that's where this word blessing and being blessed takes quite a wicked turn and leaves me not on the mountaintop, but actually um, somewhere else. Alright. So, I just want to... Yeah, so, when it says there, uh, come bless the Lord, it, it, it's referring to this idea, as I said, kneeling down or, or worshipping. Um, it's also seen as a, an evening psalm, so it says, come bless the Lord uh, who serve by night. So, a lot of the time, this uh, psalm would, would, uh, would well, actually refers to the, the, the priests and the Levites in the temple at night. And they would actually, and sometimes actually sing through the night. All right, so it's referencing that. Um, and then it says, and it says, uh, so, come bless the Lord, or you serve the Lord, you serve by night in the house of, lift up your hands. All right, so it's referring to this idea of, of, um, of praise and worship. And I'm not going to, and we've already had, uh, some did a really, really good message on worship. But, it, you know, it's referencing this idea that it's a song. And actually, if you look in your Bibles, it actually says a song of a sense. That's actually in the original Hebrew. That's not something that's added. It's actually a song of a sense. That's the word. I think in the Hebrew, it just actually says, I think it says a song. So this idea that worshiping in song is very much part of uh, uh, the way in which we, we kneel or bow down before God. And then we see this idea of lift up your hands. So there's a physical element that's part of worship. And, and, and our Western, sort of very conservative, we don't really like to lift our hands. I mean, we even sang a song this morning, lift hands. I don't lift my hands. I didn't turn around and look how many people were lifting hands. But I'm pretty certain there were like one person that was maybe Renee. You know, like, that was pretty much it. But it's, it's curious, isn't it? Because the whole idea of, of worshipping God with our bodies is very much part of, 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 um, of, of the, the Hebrew way. David, uh, in 2 Samuel 6, dances sort of half naked. 
Um, there's lots of references to David in the Psalms actually referring to dancing as a way of praising God. We just don't do that. And I don't really know what the answer to that is. I don't know why we do it. I just, I don't know, I feel uncomfortable, which is a little bit hypocritical because when the Springboks were losing yesterday, I was all over the floor, right? You know, so I still have a physical reaction to things. And when they're winning, I am raising my hand. So we've got this very curious sort of approach to praise and worship. We were like, in, in, in the things that are considered possibly in, in society as the, you know, the way things are done, you know what I mean? It's acceptable to raise your hands when your team is winning, but you know, we get to church, we know. It's, it's very interesting for me anyway. Um, and then the second part of the psalm talks about, may the Lord bless you. And that's really what I want to focus on um, this morning. So what I want you to, I've, asked, I've got a scribe here, uh, my daughter, because I can't write to save my life. So what I want to quickly do is just a little exercise. I'll tell you where to write it on which side of the line. So Can you just shout out some of the ways in which we say we are blessed? And I want you to say it in one word. Like, you are blessed when? And, you, and listen, you have to raise your hand. You can't shout because I'm deaf. So you have to raise your hand. I have to look at you so I can read your lips. Okay, so when we, when we say, oh, hashtag blessed, I'm blessed. What, what, what are some of the ways in which we say we are blessed? About a raise. Huh? Okay, a raise. Okay, so the chair. Raise. Write it big. You gotta write it big so people can see. Okay, got a raise, Renee? When you receive a breakthrough from a God, an answer. Okay, an answer? Okay, so put quick breakthrough here. Just break through. Anybody else? Healing. Healing? Alright. So healing. Alright? Okay, peace. Okay, you gotta write faster, sweetie. That's why I'm not. That's why I was okay. So, healing and put peace here. Okay, anyone else? Even when you're struggling, when you're going through a difficult time, it can be a blessing. What? Oh, uh, okay. So struggle is a blessing. Struggle. Okay. Is a blessing. Okay. What else? Can you get a new car? Okay, new car. <laughs> okay, new car. Yeah. Right. Right. New car. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Okay, new day, alright? So basically we can possibly say creation, alright? Knowing the truth. Okay, truth, alright? Anyone else? Family. Okay, is that chat? Alright, anyone else? One last one. When I wake up in the morning and I see a new day. Okay, new day, okay, so creation. One last one, anyone? Freedom. Okay, freedom. Okay, yeah. Alright, so, I'm quite impressed, <laughs> because the, the reason I put this line here, is there's this interesting dichotomy that exists when we talk about blessing. And I'm going to get onto this a little bit later, but a lot of the time, when we talk about blessing, we talk about it in the physical material sense, in terms of wealth, in terms of uh, prosperity, and and. And we, very, we don't talk enough about it in the intangible side. And especially things like struggle as a blessing. It's not part of our, our Western culture. Struggle, blessing, really? Like, and, and I struggle with that personally. You know? I mean, I'm just so grateful. <laughs> I'm like, I've got a home and I've got food and I'm wealthy. and You know what I'm saying? Like, so I want to explore this dichotomy a little bit. 
as we as we go through it and 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 land in a place that really as i said in my mind i'm incomplete i feel incomplete i actually feel a little bit peeved off a little bit disappointed a little bit frustrated by the way in which jesus arrives at what it means to be blessed all right so what i'm going to do is i'm going to take you through the old testament let's start so i'm just going to and i'm going to move pretty quickly so what i'll try and do is um i'll try and in the best way i can because i have not slide um but so the, the first thing i want to look at is is basically the old testament lens okay so what is the what is the old testament um and so we really start uh, in creation, okay, so we start in creation, and in Genesis, in Genesis uh, 1, we start to see that fertility, all right, now remember the last thing, family, fertility and dominion are blessings from God. In, in Genesis 1, 28, it said, God blessed them, that's Adam and Eve, and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. So we start to see blessing in creation, all right? And then the next part, we, 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 an interesting thing happens. We have the fall. Okay? And what happens in the fall is we know Adam and Eve, they take of the fruit that they shouldn't have. And basically that disobedience, so basically the fall is disobedience. And that leads us to curse. Alright? So what happens is God says because of your disobedience, the land is cursed, so you're now going to have to work the land, and it's going to be sweat and toil and be, to basically make a living. Women will experience child uh, pain in childbirth, all right, and you will actually die. You will return to dust. So we see that in, in, and then then what happens is we move to Abraham, where God basically now tries to write what has happened here by making various promises uh, to Abraham. He's trying to reverse the effects of the fall. So the first thing he says to Abraham is that you will become a great nation. And this is in Genesis 12. You're going to have lots of offspring. In Genesis 15, it talks about this idea he's going to have offspring as many as the stars. Okay? Now, these are important things. Okay? So here, it's offspring. We're going to come back to this in the New Testament, which is very interesting. All right? So offspring. You're going to have lots of offspring, descendants. Okay? The second thing he talks about is land. Okay? The EFF would love God at this point. Okay, land. You're going to have land. I'm going to make a, a place for you where your nation can reside. Alright? And then the, the other thing is blessing. Okay? And this whole idea that, um, that through Abraham, many, especially Israel, are going to be blessed. He's going to be a conduit of blessing. Alright? So we see that in basically in Genesis 12 and Genesis 15. Alright? Then what happens is we move to basically Deuteronomy 28, which is basically the what's called the, the chapter of blessings and curses. Okay, and this is like this is the, 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 the law of blessing and curse really being sort of rolled out for the nation of Israel. Remember, this is in a corporate sense, right? So this is God speaking not to individuals, but speaking to the nation. Um, of Israel, all right, and um, and if you if you read um, if you read the chapter, it's a long chapter, all right. It's very interesting to see they far more curses than they are blessings, all right. So Israel's like under the cross here, but basically 
this, the, 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 the model is that if you are obedient, you will, if you're obedient, if you follow God, you will be blessed. And now this is where it becomes interesting. The blessing is material. It's physical. It's tangible. Right? So in the blessings, they literally refer to fertility. Right? Fertility. You will have lots of livestock and lots of offspring. That is the material outcome or material blessing of being obedient. You will have agricultural abundance. Like basically, if you think back to the Genesis part, they had to toil the land, yeah? toil and sweat them. The Abrahamic promise is that if you are obedient, I will give you agricultural abundance. And then the third thing um, is, that, is military victories. All right? That God will protect the nation and will give them uh, great value. Starting to see. Sorry. Oh. So bring it forward, get more Elijah. Or Sandler likely to Elijah. Okay, everybody move this side. Okay, there we go. Hopefully that's better. Okay. Alright. And then in verse verse uh, 11 of, of Deuteronomy, it literally uh, sums it up like this. It says, The Lord will make you prosper abundantly. And then see what it's, how this abundant prosperity rolls out. It's the fruit of your womb, material. The offspring of your livestock, material. The produce of your land, material. Very much material, very physical, very tangible. Now the curses. Now, if you are, if you disobey, okay, so disobedience, okay, leads to curses. And there's a long list. Right? And they things like disease and plagues. And they hate it. Disease and plagues. Crop failure and famine. <laughs> Oppression by enemies. Exile and dispersion, financial struggles, family and social disruptions, loss of divine favor and protection. I mean, you get clapped in the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy, if you do not obey. And this is the context. When they were singing, bless, where was it say, come bless the Lord, or the Lord will bless us from Zion. This is what they had in mind. That obedience leads to fertility, agricultural abundance and victory and curses that's what they would have been in the back of their minds would have known when they were saying the Lord will bless me the flip side of that coin is I can also be cursed alright so that is the formula alright now we go into the New Testament now the New Testament okay well I suppose the, the question is in the New Testament what is blessing? Because we have to now look at, we now have to look at this song through the eyes of the, the New Testament, the lens of the New Testament. Jesus has fulfilled the Old Covenant. Everything that is in the Old Covenant uh, has been fulfilled through Christ. Right? And he's inaugurated this new kingdom, the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God in our hearts and in the world. And as I said earlier, that, that what we have done in popular parlance in today is we still maintain the Old Testament lens a lot of the time when it comes to blessing. Because we see it in material terms. We say, oh, I'm so blessed I've got a job. 
Alright? Oh, I'm so blessed I've got an increase or a promotion. Oh, I'm blessed because I've had a child. I'm blessed because I've had, I, I, I bought a house. I'm blessed because I had good health. A lot of the time we frame blessing, especially in the world out there, almost by default, unknowingly, we frame blessing in material terms. But there's an interesting thing that happens when, as Christians, because we're going to really control what we what we understand, right? I, I, I can't necessarily. We can be influenced by what the world understands, and the world definitely understands blessing as material. We have not necessarily looked into what blessing means in the New Testament enough, but we, we love the Old Testament blessing because it is so material. But yes, yes, part of the problem. If you believe that being blessed is evidenced by material prosperity. So in other words, if you look at your material wealth and you come to the conclusion that you're blessed, there's a certain assumption that happens as a result of that. You say, I have material blessing. Are we walking back? I have mater I have, I'm, I'm materially wealthy. I'm blessed. And therefore I am obedient. So we go, oh, because I'm so materially wealthy, I'm blessed, therefore I must be obedient. And that's a nice feeling. Yeah, God's blessed. And I hear that so often in Christian business. Oh, our business is going so well, we must be blessed and therefore we must be obedient. So material blessing and obedience get wrapped up in one thing. Here's the problem. The inevitable conclusion, the corollary of this, the flip side of this coin is therefore this. People, now I'm going to frame this in the curses way, those who are sick, disease and plague, those who are hungry, crop failure and famine, those who are oppressed, oppression by enemies, those who are refugees, exile and dispersion, those who are poor, financial struggles, those who have family social dis and disruptions, people who are divorced, broken families, crime ridden families are cursed. Right? So now, if you don't have material possessions, but you have all these other things, you're sick, you're poor, you're a refugee, and so the list goes on, means you are cursed. See what happens? And surely that can't be true. Alright? Surely that can't be true. And what? And, and, and when people say, God, but these curses are because of sin. And yes, you're right. A lot of the sickness and poverty and refugees is because of human, human sin. Of course it is. People are sick because they don't have health care. Because why? The rich get to keep health care. People are poor because we're greedy and so on. So there's a, obviously the curses are very much a part of hum, human sin. But what we fail to do is dig a little bit deeper and say, but is the person who is sick poor, is it about their disobedience? Should actually be in here somewhere, I should have put that here. Okay. Is it about their disobedience? Because this is what it is, right? You curse because you're disobedient. That's going back to the, 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 the Old Testament lead. So if you are, don't have material blessing, but you're sick or poor or whatever, you curse because you're disobedient. And so we go, oh, and I hear this often. 
you know, the, these people don't have the, the material wealth or the health or whatever it is um, because they're not blessed. And, and, and then the assumption almost by default means, well, then they must be disobedient because they have these curses that are upon them. But what we don't do is we don't ask, is it about the individual disobedience? Because it sometimes can be, right? You can sometimes have these curses before you because of your disobedience. But a lot of the time, it's because the system is rigged. It's about systemic injustice, systemic evil, that has created a, a, created a system that favors people based on race, ethnicity, class, how rich or poor you are, gender, where you live. The system sets you up for your material wealth. It's not necessarily about the individual's disobedience. So let me give you an example to try and help you see how the system can work in your favor so that you can have material well-being and then draw the conclusion that you are blessed and therefore obedient. So, uh, and it's, it's an example of me. I was born in the 70s, in the middle of in the heyday of apartheid, basically. My dad, my dad just had a matric. So, you would think as a matric he would have to, you know, end up in an ordinary job. No. He had a buddy, and he went into partnership with this buddy in a business that this buddy's father had bought. He became a very, very successful business. They sold it in the 90s for millions to an international uh, company. And my dad was in business with the guy, just with a matric. That meant that I lived in a massive house in a little village called Irene. Okay, Irene's famous because young smuts lived there. <laughs> and I could ride on my bike two blocks to a beautiful school, which is a feeder school to Pretoria Boys High. Massive grounds. Fees paid for by the state. I went to a high school, went to Prime High School. Wonderful school. Fees paid for by the state. 60 bucks a month, uh, a term for fees. That's what we paid, 60 rand a term. Right. And I know that. Why? Because I went back to Pines High School as a corporate fundraiser, and I went back to a guy who was a teacher at that school. I said, he was a deputy principal. I said, what were the fees? And told me. 60 grand a, a term. That's what we paid. I then went to UCT. My dad paid for most of my studies. Became a lawyer. And then I got a job at the biggest law firm in the country. And my dad's buddy was a senior partner. Now, juxtapose that to a black guy, same age as me, born in the 70s. His dad was highly, highly unlikely to have had any form of education whatsoever. Why? Because his dad was probably a migrant laborer who worked the mines. And when you're a migrant laborer, you had to leave your family behind in the rural areas. You couldn't bring your family with you. You go and live in the hostel there, you flip and work in those So those kids, that my equivalent, he would never have had an education, let alone a free education. His, his, he would never have had... A, so he, that, that, that black man, as a 50-year-old, stands, and I am miles ahead of him. Why? Because of one systemic decision. You're white, you get the provision. You're black, you don't. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. So you're not going to say that my material wealth, my qualifications, everything that I have, is the result of my obedience? Are we going to say that? 
And we're going to say, that black man who's my age, who grew up in a system that was rigged against him, he's because cur- he is cursed. But is he cursed about disobedience? We've got to be more thoughtful and dig deeper into why is it that we see blessing his material when we know the system is rigged in favor of those who are materially well. And we can replicate that anywhere. And unfortunately, our Western sort of capitalist worldview doesn't like that. It kicks against the birds. You know what I mean? It's this whole idea of like, I don't want to, to hear the fact that blessing is actually not about material wealth. The fact that I'm materially wealthy is not about my obedience. So when people of material prosperity say I'm blessed, when I hear it when people pray, I want to say to them, what do you mean? What do you mean? Are you saying you are obedient to God? Are you saying that you work harder than anyone else? Are you saying that you've made the sacrifices? Because the sick and the hungry and the poor and the refugee have done exactly the same thing. They've also been obedient. They've also worked hard. They've also sacrificed. But they are poor and they're hungry and they're sick. Surely material prosperity and wealth has more to do with fortune and good luck than it has to do with blessing from God and obedience. You're just fortunate enough that the economic system or the educational system or the geographic system, whatever that system it is, has worked in your favor. So when you say you're blessed, I'd rather use the word you're fortunate, you're lucky. You didn't choose to be born in South Africa in the 70s as a black man. You didn't choose to be born in, in some, in whether it's a misogynistic uh, society as a woman. You didn't choose to be there. You are there. And if you get to escape the system, you're fortunate. You are lucky. More than you're necessarily blessed in the Old Testament. So some people go, well, does that mean there's no material benefit in being biblically minded? In following the, the wisdom of the Bible, and I, I, I did a sermon on this a couple of months ago. This, there is this this connection between if you if you take on the wisdom of God, you will find prosperity. But we often measure prosperity in the size of our bank account. But you will find prosperity if you follow the wisdom of God. But the wisdom of God is not only for Christians; it's for anybody. Anybody can follow the wisdom of God. Anyone can follow the wisdom of the Bible and benefit, whether it be materially or spiritually or familiarly or communitally. If you follow the wisdom of the Bible, you can do it. You don't have to be a Christian to follow the wisdom of the Bible. You have to believe in Jesus. You can do it and you will find that prosperity. But it's important to remember that there are many, many wealthy people in this world who are not obedient to God. Do we call him blessed? Do we go hashtag blessed? Can you see that there's a real problem if we take, if we use this Old Testament formula, and we do it by default, I do it as well. I also go, when I get a raise, oh, I'm so blessed. I'm like, oh, I'm really blessed. I'm just lucky that I work for a guy who I knew at school, who's an actuary, whose father gave him a business that I run and I benefit from. It's got jack to do with my obedience, to be quite honest. So what does the New Testament have to say about blessing? Well, firstly, 
In the New Testament, when we look at the Old Testament idea of blessing, and of being blessed, remember the first thing we said, we spoke about that in the, in the Old Testament, it was about offspring. Alright? It was about um, descendants. Now, in, 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 this has been fulfilled, this whole idea of offspring has been fulfilled in two ways. Through Christ Himself. In Galatians 3.16 it says this, The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Singular. Scripture does not say and to seeds, meaning many people, but and to your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. So this idea of offspring has been fulfilled through Christ. It has also been fulfilled through the fact that the Gentiles have now been included. When, when Abraham, when, when he talked about him having many offspring, in his mind, and in the mind of the people reading Psalm 134, it was this idea of the nation of Israel. But Paul says in Romans 12 that this idea of offspring has been expanded to the Gentiles. In other words, everybody now comes into Abraham's family. It's been fulfilled. The second thing is this idea of land. Abraham was promised land. But this too has been fulfilled in the New Testament. In, in Romans 4.12, Paul expands on this promise to Abraham by saying he would inherit the world. Right? This idea that, that, that through Abraham and through the, the covenant that God made with Abraham and subsequently the new covenant through Christ, all nations will be blessed. So this land is basically world inheritance, which has been fulfilled, according to Paul. And then secondly, oh, this is Romans 4.12, by the way, this world inheritance. And then secondly, it's been fulfilled to this idea of heavenly inheritance. Okay, you can read that. There's a shift from this focus on physical land to heaven. In 1 Peter 4, 1 verse 4, in Colossians 1 verse 12, you see this idea of a heavenly inheritance. Jesus himself, twice in John 18 36, says that the kingdom is not of this world. It's not a worldly kingdom. It's a heavenly kingdom. So again, the whole idea of blessing, and, and sorry, the, the Abrahamic promises have now been fulfilled in the New Testament. And then what we do is we move to the idea of, well, what is blessing then? How is blessing seen in the New Testament? This is where I want to go to Matthew 5. The Beatitudes. So why don't you quickly turn there to Matthew 5. <coughs> and while you're turning there, we, the word blessed, okay, in um, the original language, the Greek language, actually means happy. It actually is meant to say happy are those. But again, our Western proclivity is to see happy in a very sort of I'm so happy that, you know but actually what the happiness here means is this God's favor is on you God's favor is on you as opposed to I'm so happy you know, that I've got a Netflix account, you know, or I'm so happy that I've got a new hairdo or I'm, you, know, like, you know how we are with happiness it's like this very superficial flirty type word, but this is actually about God's favor this is, how, um, this is how we must understand that word, blessed or happy. Okay. Now, Dallas Willard, you may have heard of a guy called Dallas Willard. He's, he's dead now. He wrote a book called The Divine Conspiracy. 
I tried to read it many years ago. I, I, I was so difficult. I couldn't read it. Someone told me it was easy the other day. I was like, oh, okay, I feel really bad. But anyway, <laughs> he read this book called The Microphone. Well, he deals with the with, with the Beatitudes in Matthew 5. But this is what he had to say. This is very, very interesting. He said this. The Beatitudes are not a, a list of things to do in order to get God's blessing. They're not an aspirational list. It's not something you achieve. So when we read the, 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 the Beatitudes now, you need to keep that in mind. So it's, not, it's not aspirational. Aspirational means to aspire to, to want it to become something. It's not something that you aspire to. He said this, they are a description of the people who are already blessed by God. These people are already blessed by God. They're not aspiring to, they're already blessed by God. When you read the list, you're going to go, really? These people are already blessed by God? And then he goes on to say, the Beatitudes... Are pronouncements of God's blessing on all the people that the world thinks are missing out. The, the, the blessing, the Beatitudes are pronouncements of God's blessing on all people that the world thinks are missing out. Who are the people that the world thinks are missing out? The people who are cursed, the poor, the hungry, the refugee. That's who the world thinks are missing out. Amen. Jesus is saying, no, those people are the ones that are blessed. So let's read it. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain, and after he sat down, he with his disciples. His disciples came to him, opened his mouth, and began to teach them, saying, Blessed, blessed, happy are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I want you to notice that king, it starts with the kingdom of heaven, and it ends with the kingdom of heaven. So, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, or the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who, are, who hunger and thirst for righteousness. That word is actually justice. Brandon has spoken about this before. For they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of justice, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Notice, kingdom of heaven starts, it's called an inclusio. There's a, there's, there's a very particular reason it's there, and I'll, I'll get into that. So basically, there are two parts to, there are two parts to, this, to, the, to the Beatitudes. Alright? There are two parts. Okay. Part one references this idea of internal brokenness. It references the idea of internal brokenness. It's, it refers to being broken inside, the poor in spirit. That means cowering like a beggar. And and Willard says this. God is for those who are spiritually bankrupt. Remember, this is, not, this is not you have to aspire to be poor in spirit. You are in poor in spirit. You do cower like a beggar. You are spiritually bankrupt. Therefore, says Jesus, you are blessed. Second thing, mourning. This idea of lamenting, grieving, loss. They're the ones. Then it talks about this idea of being meek or gentle. So meek and gentleness can happen in two ways. It's this idea of you, you have power and you voluntarily put it down. But there's another side of meek. It's when you have your power taken away. It's 
called oppression. So that's the brokenness. Poor in spirit, mourning, meek, having your power taken away, lamenting, grief. Those are the people that are blessed. Come on, really? That comes to the struggle part. Remember we had that line and you said struggle? That's what it is. And then that's so counterintuitive to our modern way. And it's certainly counterintuitive to the, the Old Testament. Thing. Like, really? That sounds like you cursed. Can you see the upside down kingdom? How everything just flipped on its head with Jesus. Like you go, no, I thought it was this. And you go, no, it's not that at all. In fact, it's this. And you actually end up don't liking it. Which I don't like it. To be quite honest. And then there's a second part, which talks about ministering to the broken. That's the second part of that. And that's basically where it's, it's this idea that <clears throat> this hung, it talks about hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Now the, the Greek word righteousness is, is, a, is a word, and I'm just going to say it because it just helps. Anyway, it's called a dikasune. Okay, that's the Greek word righteousness. But remember, the Hebrews were Jewish. I mean, the Jewish, the Jewish were Hebrew. Okay, Jesus spoke Aramaic, which is a Semitic, Semitic language. And the word that they used for righteousness was tzedakah. And that meant justice. So when they heard it, they didn't hear righteousness like we hear, being right with God. They heard justice. So they heard this idea of hunger and thirst for justice. That is what they understood. Not hunger and thirst for being right with God. And the next one, merciful. This whole idea of merciful is being affected by the suffering of others and trying to alleviate it. You see how tough that is? Like, God, this is this call. Blessed are those who, who identify with the suffering of people and then, and then go and actively do something. That's a very difficult thing to do. Like, most of us would just rather not know. We go, oh, I just don't want to know. Because when you don't know, you don't feel the obligation to be merciful. Because I can't, you know, I have to identify with the suffering and feel bad. God is saying, if you identify with suffering and you work to alleviate, you are merciful. You are blessed. You are happy. Blessed are the pure in heart. How difficult it is. How difficult is it to turn away from your sin? How difficult is it internally? It's very easy. The Pharisees did this to stand on parade with your, with your purity. It's a very, very different thing when we talk about purity in the heart. This is the problem with the modern church. We want to police. We want to be the moral police. We want to police everybody's behavior, their external behavior, what they do, who they see, etc. But we never talk about the fact that Jesus spoke about that murder is when you hate someone. Adultery is when you look at someone scarefully. That is it. We don't police that stuff. We just police the person who is doing adultery. Who is in prison because of murder. But all of us are committing murder. All of us are committing adultery. We have this massive like, contradiction in the way in which we look at spirituality. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are those who work hard at looking inwardly. And trying to turn away from sin. Blessed are the peacemakers. A peacemaker is someone who's trying to, to prevent strife and war. And you know what the thing about a peacemaker is? I heard this on a podcast. Is they're hated by everyone. Because on both sides, both sides of the, of the, of the equation want you to be on their side. They go, I'm on no one's side. I'm here to make peace. No, I don't like you. It's tough being a peacemaker. But God says you're blessed. You're blessed, really? If you get into the middle of strife and war, you're blessed? And then it says, at the end it says, and you and blessed are those who are persecuted for doing what? Justice. Justice. Now you'll notice that it started with there's the kingdom of heaven and there's the kingdom of heaven. And ended, right? It's called the chiasm. 
And it's a very uh, that's what it looks like. So when they are Kaiser near these, that's each verse like that. Sorry, that day is supposed to be there. Okay, can you see that? So what a Kaiser is, and I'll explain a little bit more. The Kaiser is a literary device where you present a sequence of ideas, A, B, C, D, and then what you do is you repeat the same sequence of ideas. You guys can't see it, sorry. You repeat the same sequence of ideas. So you start with the sequence of ideas, A, B, C, D, and then you reverse the sequence of ideas by going D, C, B, A. And that's to make the point. It's a mirror of each other. So one of the, 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 the popular ones as we know today, when the going gets tough, the... So it's a mirror, right? When the going gets stuck, the stuff gets But you get more complicated chiasms, which this is one. Now these chiasms, when you look at them, you look at them and you read them, you go, but, and they normally parallel each other. So A and A parallel each other. The top of the chiasm of you know, B, B. When you read them, it's not apparent that they actually coincide. They're not necessarily saying the same thing, but they do. Because in the original language, they're all of the same tenses. So this, the first one, and I, I, mean, I, yeah, I won't go into too much, but um, where's the, the first verse? So A, A is, this A here is blessed are the poor in spirit, right? And then this A here is blessed are those who persecute. So you have to sort of work quite hard to, um, to connect them. But in the original language, <coughs> this and this is in the present tense, all right? To give you another, this and this is in the future divine passive. And so it goes on. So each of these things are connected and it's very intentional. And you can say it's not lucky. No, this is exactly how the, the Hebrew wrote. They used all these literary devices all the time because they're making an emphasis. Now here's the big, big deal. They do this very, very particular. I wish I had another color here, like red. Alright. But what they do with these kaisers is the idea is it points to one big central thought in the middle. And you know what the big central thought in the middle is? Here it is. Oh, there's the red. Okay. The big central thought is this red part in the middle. It's these two Ds. Okay. Yeah. You know what those are? Verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for? Justice. The next one is, blessed are those who show mercy. You want to know what the message is that Jesus is saying? That you are blessed if you seek those. <coughs> That's what it means to be blessed. I don't know. Why? Because it just, so you got to, I'm going to go out and, and seek mercy and justice? Yes! That's what you're going to do. And, and, and then you read the New Testament. That's, it. That's everything that Jesus talks about. Is this kingdom of God is about mercy and justice. He cannot say it over again. It's mercy and justice. It's mercy and justice. Yet we hashtag blessed. I've got to write. The idea of blessing that Jesus inaugurates is a paradigm shift. It talks about the upside-downness of the kingdom of God. And a lot of the time, the blessings we receive are largely intangible and often spiritual. What does it say? 
when you look at the second part of those verses, the kingdom of heaven will be yours. What does that mean? What does it mean? You'll be comforted if you show mercy on Jesus. You'll be satisfied. You will receive mercy. You will see God. You will be children of God. What? What does that mean? I just want a car. Then I know I'm blessed. And this is and this is where and so when I, I was like, I thought then I thought, look, like I don't like this because I also want to put hashtag best I got a, a promotion. I mean, how many of us are ready when we pray and, and, and we talk and we say to someone, I'm I'm blessed. Why? Well, because I'm in struggle. I'm struggling for mercy, I'm struggling for justice, I'm comforting those who are mourning. Like, it just doesn't ring with us, and it doesn't ring with me. And then I remember. This passage in Mark 10. The rich man, blessed, as the Hebrews would have understood blessing at that particular time, he comes to Jesus and he says, What must I do to inherit eternal life? And his response is my response. Jesus looked at him and loved him and said, There's one thing you lack. Go sell everything you want and give to the poor, and you'll have your treasure in heaven. Like that, because I am a rich man. And that bites me. Because that, I'm, you know, like we, I perceive my, my life as blessed because I have all these things. But it's no, you lack one thing. And then what does it say? But the man was what? Saddened by these words and went away in sorrow because he had great wealth. He had great hashtag bless. <laughs> That's what he had. And the upside down kingdom is just taking the tables, just turning the tables. Jesus turning the tables like in the temple and saying, it's not this, it's not this, it's not this. And, and, and as, as, a, as a church, as a community, we have to we have to realign ourselves around what it means to a place. And then we've got to, we've got to dig deep to try and figure out like, what is it about comfort and satisfaction and, and being and sons and daughters of God? Why is it a blessing? Because we don't, I think we tap into that enough, so we don't. Because remember, receiving a material thing, you know, your, the dopamine goes off in your brain. You're like, thank excited, but it's very temporal, right? You get a new car, you drive it for a couple of weeks, and then it's just another car. But this seems to be the, 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 type, of, the type of blessing, of being comforted, being satisfied, receiving mercy, seeing God, being children of God, is, is a lot more intangible and requires a lot more work from us. To understand what it really means. So that we can, in a sense, own it. So that we can appropriate it. But it seems to suggest that the only way we can actually appropriate it is at the center of that kaizen. Seek justice and mercy. Do you know what? I don't know whether this community will grow numerically with that type of message. It's not a popular message. And we've got to understand that this community is not called to growth in the sense that we just have thousands of people. We call to be a blessing. And to be a blessing means we seek justice and mercy. And for wealthy people, that is not a cool message. Because this is exactly what happens. They walk away saddened and in sorrow because they realize that their understanding of blessing is not the understanding of the blessing in the kingdom of God. You don't feel like you're on a mountaintop, do you? Because I said, I, 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 I certainly go, oh my word, I was hoping it would be more than that. But that's my materialistic lens. Maybe it's a hard work for you. Maybe for many of you, you're sitting here and you're going, Rose, that's just for you. You know, you're the guy who drives the big 4x4. Like, that's your problem. Maybe it is. 
Maybe, and that's what I'm saying, like my whole thought process around this is incomplete and broken and, and I feel like disappointed and a little bit cheesed off. But this is the stuff we've got to struggle with. This is the stuff we've got to work on. And, and, and I know that I haven't covered And I know that some of you can go, yeah, but there's blessing another way. Yeah, I'm sure it is. All right. So there we are. Sorry, that's necessarily a month of experience, but that's what it is. All right, let me, let me, let me close. Heavenly Father, um, yeah, I, I must say that as having grappled with this, this idea of blessing even more and, and just feeling more like that rich man in, in, in Mark 5, uh, disappointed by possibly what I perceive the kingdom to be and what the kingdom actually is. And I pray for others like me who, who feel the same way, who, who are possibly struggling with this idea of blessing being this intangible, spiritual uh, pursuit. Won't you, won't you give us peace, knowing that, the, that you have this in hand? In other words, help us to see that you, that you will bring those, those blessings in time, in the sense that we will understand what it means to be out of it, etc. And then I think there's the flip side of that. It's just asking that you will give us a heart, continually a heart for mercy and for justice. Because it is tough. It really is tough. You, 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 many of us are coming from broken places anyway, and then we've sort of been asked to, to minister to the broken. It's like this crazy, like it doesn't work. You almost sort of think, Lord, that we should all be whole before we can minister into brokenness. But that's not the kingdom. The kingdom just says no. And that's difficult to reconcile in our minds. And, and so I pray that, that you would help us. Because that's essentially the beauty of this, right? Is that we don't have to do it in our own strength. We're not called to figure this all out. We're called to, to, to come alongside you in the work that you're already doing. Um, and not to have to worry about, I suppose, the result or the blessing. But just trust that as we see your kingdom first, uh, that the blessings will be added, whatever those blessings might be. Help us to have peace with that, I suppose. Help us to be satisfied, as it says here in, in Matthew 5. Thank you that we can be part of something special that is contrary to the world, that is contrary to the world's understanding of blessing. Help us to have the courage of our convictions. Help us to be brave um, as we seek to to carry out what it says in, in, in Matthew 5 and help us to see the vision. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.